We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Apparently, I am always late on this show, uh, so I appreciate uh, all the comments. All in good fun today. Uh, joining me this morning are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. I hear uh, Urban Meyer to Nebraska. Strong possibility today. Your thoughts there? Oh, I want it to happen. I want I want to root against Nebraska. I want it to mean something. Uh, I And then I hope they lose every game and go 0-12 or whatever. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Should be fun stuff. I can't believe – I mean, I, I can't believe. It was a wild look for the Nebraska fan base this morning. Uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, what's up? Uh, doing pretty well, I guess. Uh, looks like USC is playing today, so that's a thing. It looks like they're number seven, too, so that's cool. Uh, again, I, I root for them, but I don't really follow them, but – Good for them for being not last. Yeah, they good for them for not being last. Good standards there. Um, they're playing Fresno State today. Uh, a lot of people uh, from my work and uh, friends around here are making the drive down. So uh, we'll see. You know, this is their first test for their defense, I guess. Uh, Fresno State's got a good offense. So it should be a fun game. Uh, Utah gets San Diego State tonight. So San Diego State apparently pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Utah favored by 21 and a half last time I checked. So In Utah or There's- San Diego? In Utah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we are uh, going to, of course, give some health updates. We'll do some uh, final conversations from the fallout of the Chargers loss to the Chiefs, uh, do our weekly picks, and then we will also be uh, taking some of your questions. So uh, feel free to 
chat it up. And uh, if you have some questions, we'll be happy to answer those this morning. Um, all right. So first and foremost, of course, talking about Justin Herbert. Um, he avoided a bone fracture in his rim in his rib cage. Uh, Brandon Staley did mention that he does have uh, some fractures in his cartilage. So um, apparently he's considered day to day. I know there's a lot of people kind of speculating that he could miss some time. Really, from my understanding, from what I can gather, is it's all about how Justin can uh, manage the pain going forward. Again, this is a little bit different than, you know, like what Tyrod Taylor was doing with because he was doing with like legitimately bruised ribs. So um, I'm not super positive in terms of like his chances of playing next Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But that is the update in terms of uh, his health status. So, Tyler, uh, your thoughts here as we kind of prepare for uh, the next few days of, of learning about Justin Herbert and his uh, rib cartilage injury. Yay, I guess. Like, this is kind <laughs> of a, a good best-case scenario, I suppose. Um, they said there was potentially no issue and there's just a wind knocked out of him. Definitely never felt like that. Um, but no. this certainly seems better than something that will definitely sideline him for a month, two months, whatever. So I couldn't really speak much about, you know, cartilage injuries, issues. Um, I'm going to just defer to Alex or literally anybody else on that one. But I guess as far as what this could have been and what it looked like on Thursday night, this is fine. Uh, as far as him playing next week, it's tough because Justin definitely he obviously didn't pull himself out of the game. They didn't pull him out of the game on Thursday night football when it was as bad as it could have been. I think, like, do you look at the Jaguars next week and say, okay, that team sucks, so we don't have to play you? But would the Chargers do that, and would Justin Herbert do that? I don't think so. At least publicly, they'll say, well, they're a good team, a lot of talent in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I think he'll be out there because I just think that's what Justin Herbert will end up doing. Um, but I'm indifferent. Like, If he's not healthy and if he doesn't feel good, I, I don't care. It's, it is the Jaguars. I know Arjun was like, well, you know, be careful because not every game is the same, but like it's the Jaguars. I, even like the Texans game would be the more pit, you know, critical game to me. Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's just a, a pain tolerance thing. Um, I mean, they're lucky that there's no break in the ribs. Otherwise, they think that could cause them to miss a serious amount of time. Um, but it's, it's going to take five or six weeks to like really recover. That doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean he'll miss any time. I mean, he could very well play versus the Jags. And frankly, I would expect him to. And they you know, shoot him up with some horse drugs and <laughs> probably put him in a flak jacket or something. Yeah. Uh, I assume with the 10 day layoff uh, that he probably will play, um, you know, but it's going to be hard just to do normal things like breathing. And, you know, we saw that at the end of the Chiefs game, that things were just really difficult for him. And it's, you know, at the beginning, it's not going to necessarily be any easier while he recovers from that. Um, but overall, I think the Chargers got the best news that they could have gotten. Uh, in regards to uh, the cartilage injury and just hope for the best for Justin going forward. Yeah. So, you know, it, it sounds like according to some other people, um, you know, this is just going to be something that lingers. So I, I guess that's the difference, right? Is that probably easier to play through a cartilage injury as opposed to like a legitimate, like uh, cracked rib or something like that. But I think it just sounds like it, it's going to, linger longer for Justin in terms of the pain and and what he's going to have to be dealing with. So, I mean, I'm of the mindset that you rest him against the Jaguars. I really am. I know like people are going to say like the Jaguars could, you know, it, it's uh, still an NFL team. Obviously they still have a good amount of talent, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson can come in and still beat you. But 
I think you have enough to beat the Jaguars. I know it's like the Texans game last year uh, is kind of scarring people, but um, you should have enough to beat the Jaguars next Sunday without Justin Herbert. Theoretically, Keenan Allen will be back by then. Theoretically, Corey Lindsay should be healthy, which we can talk about. Um, and this defense is playing lights out. So I feel okay about starting Chase Daniel for one game against the Jacksonville Jaguars while Justin gets at least semi-healthy for the next, you know, give him the next, uh, I guess that'd be like 14, no, that'd be like 18 days off or whatever until the Houston game. Yeah, no, I would agree. Chase Daniel, I think, will be the starter if he doesn't go. Was there any update on Keenan Allen, or is it just kind of what we knew heading into the game? Just kind of what we knew heading into the game. They, um, It sounded like they said they believed that he would play if the game was on Sunday um and unfortunately just that quick turnaround with a hamstring injury uh was not something that was workable so you give him 10 days off as well uh and he should be fine for for the jaguars game i guess now the question really becomes even if herbert does play what does the game plan look like with the coaching staff saying out loud that they'll play more Jalen guyton and with keenan on <laughs> returning and at some point donald parham like I don't know. Like, what do you, do you see them just sticking with the same sort of conservative, you know, short route game plan because Herbert literally can't do more than that? Or, I mean, what do you think? Alex, you want to take that one first? Um, I mean, possibly, but also at the same time, we saw this dude get up there and throw like a 40 yard bomb to DeAndre Carter while he was like totally gassed and winded. So at the same time, I don't think they'll feel the need to change it up too much. I think my thing with sitting him against the Jags is this is going to be a longer recovery than people anticipate. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of difference between 10 days of recovery against the Jaguars versus 17 against the Texans in this case. I think it's going to be a longer term uh, issue than that. So I think they're, you know, obviously you kind of probably want to use more of the ground game if you can. But it also depends on who's out there, right? If Storm Norton is out there, then that probably means worse yeah. things for Justin Herbert and also for the run game. Um, depends on the status of Corey Lindsley as well. So, you know, we kind of expect him to play, but he's dealing with the tendonitis issue. So I think how the offensive line is going to look almost is more important to the game plan than whatever the perceived you know health of Herbert is at that point. Yeah, in terms of the game plan, I think that they would head into the game with the same, you know, business as usual kind of game plan. And then if Justin just cannot throw down the field, then I think they would make adjustments there. So um, we'll we'll talk about the offensive issues. You know, I've, I've kind of slightly changed my stance from Thursday night after rewatching the broadcast. But um, we'll move on to Corey Lindsay. It sounds like he uh, basically just has a bad case of tendonitis. Um, I have had tendonitis a few times in my uh, life, and it is something that really sucks. It can be a real bitch sometimes to manage that pain. So Brandon Staley, it sounded like he got an injection at halftime while he was just kind of going through some pain, and then the injection just didn't go super well. I don't know if I'm misinterpreting that, but that's kind of what I took away from Brandon Staley's uh, press conference on thursday night but uh or i guess that was friday afternoon but um sounds like he again very similar conversation obviously different injury but as long as he can manage the pain it sounds like he'll be okay Mm, i don't like this and i know you we kind of talked about before the season started this being a a brian belaga thing and it didn't seem like it and it 
I don't think it will be. And frankly, he made it through week one, so that's already better. <laughs> we're already but, different. We're already a step ahead. Yeah, we're already way better than last year. But I don't know how I feel about this one just yet. And with Ryan Hunter already being gone too, uh, not on the practice squad either. Isaac Weaver not on the practice squad. I don't know. They haven't made a corresponding move yet. I'll see if they do. Um, but I just I don't I don't like this because we were wondering all offseason what was going on with with these extra rest days. I don't really know why he was out. You know, maybe he just is, you know, a great all pro center and they know that. So let's get Will Clapp involved. But I don't know if it's tendonitis and if this is a lingering thing, I would just be I'm a little worried, but maybe I shouldn't be because they said he could absolutely play and they'll just manage it. And frankly, they've done sort of the same with Rashawn Slater's back, but he's also like 23. You know, and Corey <laughs> Lindsay's been here for a while. So I, I don't I don't know. It's a tough one. He's been it's been lingering for a while and it literally so I'm sorry, was that what knocked him out of the game officially? Or was it something separate? And also he had tendonitis during camp. No, it was it, it was the knee issue that that knocked him out of the game. So like I said on Thursday, I, there was a play where he got up like super gingerly and just like you know, he has like that old dad walk, but like it was <laughs> it was slower than usual back to the huddle. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, what's going on? And of course I was mm-hmm. delayed. Uh, and so then, you know, at halftime, they're like, oh, he's not playing. And it's like, oh, so it must have been, I, mm-hmm. I figured it was like, a you know, he got rolled up on or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, it sounds like he's just got, uh, to manage some pain and he wasn't able to do that on Thursday night. How many plays did he play after you saw him maybe get back? Not like, oh, it was, pr- it was probably like a drive and a half. So maybe like 10 plays, 12 plays. Okay. So that's promising, I guess, unless it got worse. But he at least kind of managed and just probably said at halftime, like, nah, not working. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't I don't really think there's much they can do about this one other than just give him a lot of the early practice days off this week and then start practicing him like Thursday, Friday. Now, like that's probably the best that they can do at this point. Um, in terms of managing tendonitis, that's just going to be then it's probably going to follow him for the rest of his career. I mean, honestly, so you know, him having to miss like a half of a game is a, is a decent possibility, and I wonder if that's something that kind of went into them signing Will Clapp when they did, uh, and getting a guy who's you know familiar with that system at the time. So, um, disappointing, but I also you know kind of like the Herbert Rib cartilage thing. It's like you know, there's nothing they can do about it except kind of try to manage it as best they can and, and move on from game to game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I fully trust Will Clapp as much as they do. I mean, all of the players last or yesterday and on Thursday were asked about it, and they all expressed a lot of confidence in, in Will Clapp's ability to handle the offense. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. I mean, a uh, couple people mentioning Zion playing center. I would love to see that. I really would. I love Zion Johnson, and I think he can play center in this league, but um, they're not going to move him um, again unless there's like f- multiple injuries at center. So they're going to want to keep him at right guard. So Will Clapp, I think, is a, is a fine backup. The biggest issue, of course, is going to be that Corey handles all of the protections. Like he is the one who does all of that. Um, you know, he is very involved in the in the game planning process at this point and setting those protections throughout the week. And you can still obviously use his brain during the week, but um, it's going to be whoever's playing quarterback is going to have to handle the protections. 
as long as Corey Lindsay is out. So it changes a lot, man. And we saw that on Thursday night. You know, Daniel Popper tweeted out the difference in um, average air yards uh, per Justin Herbert's attempts in the first half versus the second half without Corey Lindsley. And it was like a 50% decrease in the second half. So um, this is an issue that the Chargers will absolutely have to keep an eye on. Um, we will, I guess, see if Corey's able to change it. I There are ways around like solving tendonitis, but like if you're in season, then I just, I think this is just something that he's going to have to deal with and manage the pain essentially. Yeah, and, and if Lindsley is out, some people are asking for Easton Stick at quarterback. I don't want Will Clapp and Easton Stick. <laughs> no. Like, at least have one guy be – like, I need Chase Daniel out there. If if Corey Lindsley's not playing, I don't want a Will Clapp to Easton Stick operation there. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> that would be very, very bad uh, from an, an operation standpoint. Um, I guess the only other one, like we talked about Keenan, we'll see about Donald Parham. I, I – think his absence is really not being talked about enough um, mm-hmm. with this offense and what he does a as a blocker and b as a vertical threat up the seam and being able mm-hmm. to make plays after the catch like it, they miss him a lot and uh, I don't think we got an update um, I guess Trey Pipkins is fine as well I forgot that he got injured um, so we'll have to see about Donald Parham but they they this team misses Donald Parham in a bad bad way yeah, people forget. Like, I guess if you weren't at camp and you didn't know, and it, he didn't play in the preseason, but Donald Parham was a bigger part of the red zone offense than I ever would have guessed. Now, maybe, maybe I could have guessed because it's freaking Donald Parham, but they weren't really using him as much last year. This year was just so different. I, I tweeted as much. Like, Bryce Callahan's playing like an elite slot corner right now, and and Donald Parham just could not be stopped. Bryce Callahan had no chance. There's just a size factor. That's what he was doing was incredible so they use him on screen to the end zone they use him vertically in the end zone or in the red zone i should say so that that's a huge part missing as well and i can't wait for him to be back and as a blocker too uh quick question so since richard rogers did the did the rules change does he have to be signed to the active roster now because he's been activated twice uh it's three times three times. oh three times okay yeah. never mind yeah um i guess we'll kind of see what happens there um just, I mean, how everything's played out in the tight end room makes me really wish that they had a Steven Anderson um, or something like that in general, but they don't. Um, and that showed on Thursday night. Trey McKitty did not have the best blocking game. Uh, Gerald Everett was clearly exhausted and winded because he didn't have anyone to relieve him at any point. Uh, and they missed Donald Parham both in the receiving and the blocking game. So uh, just in general, hope for the best for him and hope that him and Keenan are, are back next Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, like I said, we are uh, obviously the Chargers get 10 days off here. So we'll have some more health updates next week. Um, I do want to talk about just kind of our our general thoughts. You know, we're two days after Alex did a great video yesterday morning, you know, the day after with some of his thoughts and, um, you know, talking about several different things. Um, I am not I am definitely not at the point of talking about firing the offensive coordinator like a lot of people have continued to talk about. But I do see a lot of the issues that this offense is experiencing. And it's a lot of different issues. Like, I I understand why people are so mad about Joe Lombardi's play calling. But there's like eight different problems that the offense is experiencing right now. Some of that is related Mm -hmm. to health. 
And everything that's happening is shrinking the field for the Chargers and making it so much harder for them to uh, throw the ball successfully. And so we talked about Donald Parham. I think that is a big, big issue. I think everybody who wants to see them access the deeper parts of the field at a higher level, obviously, I would love that too. But if you're talking on a on a per-play basis, the most successful players on the Chargers last year at accessing the deep parts of the field were Keenan Allen, Donald Parham, Jalen Guyton, and Mike Williams. One of those players has not played a single snap. The other player has ran 13 routes. That's Keenan Allen. The other player is reportedly in the doghouse or something is going on there and can't get on the field. And then Mike Williams is relatively easy to scheme away if you're an opposing defense because you know there's four routes that Mike Williams runs at a consistently high level. And three of those are, are, like I said, you know, you put a safety over the top of him and you can't have that long developing uh, post or corner route. And that's it. So um, that's all part of the problem. You know, they don't have anybody to really stretch the defenses and threaten them vertically. And some of that is because of their own choosing, right? Because Jalen Guyton cannot see the field. So there's a lot of different issues going on right now. And a lot of it is personnel related. And yes, some of it is absolutely Joe Lombardi related. I said this last year, Mm -hmm. whenever something goes wrong, he just goes back into his comfort zone of what he knows. And what he knows is that New Orleans Saints quick passing offense. So in the second half of this game against the Chiefs, where you lose your right tackle, you lose your center, you don't have Keenan Allen, they're taking away Mike Williams. What does he know? He knows the New Orleans Saints passing attack. And that's what they did the entire second half. And for the most part, it kind of worked. But there were a lot of execution errors as well. Yeah, it's a real confusion. Like everything like the offense, the coordinator, the skill position groups, the GM, the coach. Like, I feel like everyone has just kind of been off. It's like, okay, we're going to boot play action shot on third and one, but then we lose a yard, so we're not going to go for it. So I was like, well, what were we doing? Like, I get that you lose a yard, so maybe that's why you don't go for it on fourth down, but that feels like a miscommunication. And then, you know, we see it last year. Everyone hates that we keep bringing up Tyron Johnson, but this is part of the the discussion. Like, they did have that. They had Jalen Guyton. They cut one of them. Okay, at least we have Jalen Guyton. Okay, now we've phased out Jalen Guyton. We didn't draft a speed receiver. So it's like, I don't, like, what are we doing here? Is this what Joe Lombardi wants? Does he only want big, you know, bodied receiver guys? I mean, certainly with Mike Williams, yeah. It's tough to tell. The Jalen Guyton thing to me, and I'll read what Brandon Staley said. um, From The Athletic, Staley said, in retrospect, he wished Guyton would have played more. We just didn't get him enough playing time, but we're definitely trying to look to get Jalen more involved. That's just kind of sometimes how the plan goes in the possessions. It just didn't quite work out that way, but definitely not indicative of anything Jalen's doing. Jalen's doing really well for us, so expect to see a lot more of him moving forward. The the thing with that is, you know, we and we've talked about this in the chat and in Discord, like the idea that it was about the you know the flow of the game and the possessions and whatnot. That's why Jalen Guyton wasn't involved. That's like BS to me because clearly like last week you could have used him and, and you know, Thursday you definitely could have used him. There's no reason you're not using him. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, I know, Stephen, you had heard that there was going to be no change in Jalen Guyton's role ahead of the game. Like before the game started, we knew that there was not going to be any change in, in his role. And lo and behold, he went from, you know, five snaps to seven or whatever it was. So I guess there was a change. But 
Um, not all that much. I, I just don't know what the plan is. Like if Joe Lombardi has this, it seems like it's a, is it a position group thing? Is it a, a position coach thing? I should say, is it a GM thing? I don't know because I feel like if I'm, if I'm looking at camp when they're able to use everyone and there's no 48 man roster, active roster on game day and you can use whatever I'm seeing Isaiah Spiller out of the backfield. I'm seeing Donald Parham, which he's, of course he's not available. You know, I'm seeing Jalen Guyton actually do some pretty solid work down the field. I'm seeing Keenan Allen work down the field. And some of those things, you know, they're just not available because they're hurt. But, like, why are, we're taking away the only true, like, speed deep threat that they have. And there's their second best receiving back out of the backfield. And we're like, well, why isn't this offense better? I, I don't know who's – is that on Lombardi? If Because if it is, then it's 100% all his fault. That's you're ridiculous for making that decision, I think. But if it's on anybody else, then they're severely limiting what this team can do. You can't just take the in the second year in a row, you can't say, okay, here's your speed threat. We're going to take them off the field or we're going to cut them. Like you can't keep doing that to a coordinator and then wonder where the deep shots are. You can't keep taking away the speed threats. So I hope it changes. I'm sure, uh, you know, Jacksonville is a great get right game. I'm sure <laughs> for a lot of receivers, a lot of offenses, but I just don't understand why you're taking him off the field. Why is he not wide receiver three or four? I get it. I think the other guys can contribute more. I think did earn the right to be three and four, but not involving him at all is a bit strange. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues in the receiver room right now. I mean, I think one of them is that they're not playing Jalen Guyton. The other is they sort of constructed this receiver room in a way that depended on a Josh Palmer breakout season. And, we're not getting a Josh Palmer breakout season right now. Again, we're two games in, uh, no one wants to overreact or anything, but he's played poorly. Um, And so they need to get more out of him. They need to get more route running out of him. If, you know, if anything to create more separation, because right now, especially when Keenan Allen's not on the field, like he was on Thursday night, Mike Williams is not a separator. I mean, obviously he's going to do what he does. Um, Deontre Carter is really the only wide receiver in that room that can separate right now. If you're not playing Jalen Guyton. And so, uh, you know, aside from that, you have the tight end problems. Donald Parham's not playing and Austin Eckler is not producing like he necessarily should be either. So, I mean, yes, it's a lot of things, but I mean, you know, Tyler brings up Tyron Johnson and I know people want us to stop bringing up Tyron Johnson. I don't care. Like they, they have disincentivized speed in this wide receiver room consistently and, and yeah. gone with guys uh, in the draft and free agency that are, are more their type of receiver. And it just hasn't panned out to this point. Maybe the Josh Palmer breakout is right about to happen and we're on the cusp of it. But right now we haven't seen it. So, um, yeah, that's just how they built this receiver room. And until we see more improvement from guys, this is how it's going to be until Keenan Allen gets back also. Mm -hmm. It's very early to talk about this comment, I think. But I do want to bring it up from LDE Bruin. Just not having that speed threat condenses the field so much, even for the running game to get going at all. You know, it affects the offense. Now, I think Max Crosby was the reason that the the running game didn't get going in week one. I haven't yeah. really watched week two, but yeah, like if if Mike Williams and sorry, I went through all his routes last year and it's basically, you know, two thirds of his production is just like a go or a shallow cross or a deep cross. There's just not a lot there. That's all he can do. And you don't have a speed threat and you're not really now again. Williams can win. Obviously, he can win. He did against Kansas City, but you throw a corner on him, pump over the top. You, he's pretty much gone. And if that's the case, you know, you're running game and you're and you know, you're doing a short game in the passing game. And you have no deep threats. Yeah, the running game is going to struggle in the house so far. 
Yeah. And everything that is happening, like I said, everything is shrinking the field and making it harder on this offense. And, um, you know, I know people on the outside world, like they look at Keenan Allen, like, oh, like he's a, you know, he's not a speedster. He can't access the deep parts of the field. Matt Harmon had him as an elite route runner on go routes, on on post routes and on corner routes, like all the deep routes, you know, Matt uh, Keenan Allen has an incredibly high success rate. And the Chargers really leaned into that after the bye week last year. And I think it really, really helped the offense. And it seemed like that was going to be the case uh, based off of training camp and based off of uh, the first game. I mean, in week one against the Raiders, his average depth of target was like 13 and a half yards, which would be a, a career high by a full two and a half yards. So that matters, right? Like, you know, you're you're talking about your most successful deep threat players all not playing or not able to get on the field. So the offense is a struggle right now. That said, they still are, you know, two or three or four plays away from hanging 30 on the Raiders and hanging 30 on the Chiefs. So it, it's I, I understand the frustrations that people are talking about. I disagree with the sentiment that Joe Lombardi is like not taking advantage of Justin Herbert's skill set. And then he's deliberately trying to, uh, you know, limit Justin uh, and his ability to impact the game. So I, I disagree with that sentiment. I do share the frustrations of the lack of growth from the offense. I've pictured in my head, right, this year, all the talk of football 202. And uh, we have DeAndre Carter. We have Jalen Guyton. We have more dynamic playmakers. We have Josh Palmer, like Alex is talking about. I pictured a much cleaner operation right out of the gate. And that's been the most frustrating thing. Like it's not, it's not like the opposing defenses are just playing elite games against the chargers and just like dominating them. Right. The chargers have had a lot of unforced errors, you know, Justin Herbert and Josh Palmer have not been able to get on the same page. Um, you know, obviously we, we can talk about the pick six here, which was a miscommunication, but it was also poor coaching in my opinion. Um, you know, you're talking about Austin Eckler bouncing a run at the two yard line. You're talking about Trey McKitty dropping a pass when he's wide open in the flat. So there's a lot of schematic issues, but there's also been a lot of execution issues. And again, like I understand that frustration, but to me, that's, that's not on Joe Lombardi. Like Joe Lombardi's not out there telling Trey McKitty, Hey, drop this pass. So, um, I, I think there's a lot of give and take here. And with the frustrations, I, I think we just need to like, be a little patient and and hopefully this offense is going to improve because there's really no alternative solution like if you fire joe lombardi mid-season it's going to get worse like firing an offensive coordinator never goes the way that people want you just have to hope that a smart guy in joe lombardi and other smart people around him are able to put their heads together and fix the issues that are happening it's also they do it slowly, but I do feel like the offense under Joe Lombardi does a really good job reflecting on what doesn't go right at a certain point in the year. Like, I feel like this is a very, like the offense feels very numbers driven. Like I know Lombardi and Shane Day, they're involved with building like offensive models to evaluate players and how they're doing. Like they're involved with, you know, com- not, not, not the numbers as much, but like what they want to see, what they want to do. And so I feel like after the bye last year, now granted they did have a great shootout against the Browns, but I feel like they they made some changes to their run game in particular and what they were doing. They got Jalen Guyton more involved downfield. And, and lo and behold, like things started to work till some guys started getting hurt or, the, or the, the right side of the line didn't hold up. And then going into this year, you saw in training camp, like, okay, like, like when I charted Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, 
there was not a single route combination better than Keenan Allen deep on a post or a corner. That was the best thing between either guy. And lo and behold, we look at camp. Keenan Allen's being used downfield a lot more this year. It's like, okay, they recognize that. They're trying to do that this year. Donald Parham, how long have we been asking for them to involve him more? Lo and behold, we look at training camp. That's what they're doing. They get Isaiah Spiller. Okay, let's great. You know, running a receiving back out of the backfield. Perfect. We know they needed that. They drafted a right guard. I think they do a very good job reflecting. It just takes some time. And I don't know if we'll really see this offense truly be what it can be until, well, obviously when Keenan Allen and Donald Parham come back. But really, I think after the bye, I think that we're going to kind of get through this. Herbert's going to be hurt a bit. Maybe there's some offensive line injuries. Maybe they're still trying to get Parham and Allen back. And I think we'll just kind of slowly, slowly build to the bye. I think after the bye, you're going to see a really big reflection and change in this offense that makes it more dynamic, in my opinion. Alex, any thoughts there? I mean, yeah, the other part of this is they they can't get the run game going no matter what so far. And that just makes you so one-dimensional in everything you can do because then the Chiefs are going, okay, we don't have to worry about Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly and Sonny Michelle. We're just going to drop back and, you know, worry about Justin Herbert. And so unless you can force the run and and people don't want to be like, I'm not saying Anthony Lynn established the run here, but at the same time, you know, having no run game and you're averaging two yards a carry, like, yeah, it's going to affect your passing offense too, because then teams just know that they can drop everyone back. Um, and that creates less space for your receivers as well. In addition to, you know, not all of their receivers being like natural um, separation creators. So, um uh, the run game is a huge part of this as well and if they find a way to establish that against jacksonville and against houston and against cleveland in the coming weeks then i think things get a lot easier if that's still a struggle then those games could still be a struggle as well yeah i've i've liked what they've done on certain uh certain run designs right they've they've kind of made some tweaks to their counter game which in my opinion was a real strength of theirs last year and rewatching the Raiders tape, the offensive line blocked pretty well for the most part. <laughs> Max Crosby was a fucking maniac in that game as a run defender, though. Um, so I haven't watched the film against the Chiefs. I mean, I'm curious to see kind of what happens there. Um, I want to see one more game out of this like existing split. And then if Josh Kelly is still the most dynamic runner, like I'm ready mm-hmm. to give him like, 12 touches a game and, and I mean like 12 carries a game and I think a lot of that like it I think it would hurt Chargers fans to see Austin Eckler not be like the featured runner mm-hmm. but I think splitting him out wide more often I think yeah. ultimately is better for the offense than using him as a running back so Nate Ty's kind of talked about this the Chargers were the only team in week one that did not run a set out of empty they always mm-hmm. had a back or a tight end, and 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 that a lot of that is pass protection related against the Raiders for sure. But to me, like I think if you split Austin Eckler out wide more often mm-hmm. and use him not exclusively as a pass catcher like he was early on in his on in his career, but I think they need to do a better job of exploiting Austin Eckler as a mismatch problem as a receiver and allow Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle to kind of take on a larger load as runners in my opinion i think that would help add some explosive plays to the offense yeah exactly i mean i think people in the chat are talking about it too i think they want to see eckler healthy in november december december one of the months <laughs> and january but you can still do that you can still split them out wide and, and i'm sure one-on-one versus you know a slot corner or running an angle route or something that's not running it up the middle or you know running it into you know three defensive linemen and a linebacker I mean, i'm sure that's better for him too and yeah I, i'm willing to see joshua kelly take on a little bit more 
You know, I think everyone really wants him out there. Like, wow, he's the best running back. I'll pump the brakes till I see like, you know, eight carries a game. You have a bit more, sure. you know, you know, four carries for 20 yards. Like there's only so much I can do with that. Um, but he does look good. And I do want to see a bit more of him. Yeah. If they are rolling with Chase Daniel this week, I think we'll see a lot of the running back. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to see there. Um, all right, well, let's get to our uh, week two NFL picks here, and then we'll take some questions, um, and and we'll kind of wrap up here in about uh, 20 minutes or so, about 18 minutes, I guess. Um, all right, so Alex went first last time. Tyler was last last time because he wasn't here. Uh, so, so, Tyler, you get to go first today. Who is your uh, – we'll start with your favorite. Who's your favorite pick of the week? Okay, hold on. I wrote this on my phone. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Favorite pick. Okay, I won't make it too difficult for myself. Although I feel like I can't trust this team. Uh go Rams. Over the Falcons. There we go. There you go. Yeah, the, the the Rams are in a weird spot. I'm in a survivor pool with a bunch of my friends from work and uh we were debating about the Rams and who else to take. So uh the team that I advocated for in that work pool is gonna be who I pick here. I'm taking the Broncos over the Texans as my favorite of the week. Hmm, Broncos over the Texans. I don't have it up. Can you type it for me? <laughs> yes, yeah, so Broncos over Texans, yeah? Yeah. That God bless. That, I don't know why I hate that just worries me so much for you. But I mean, if I'm wrong, if this is just like last year and and the favorites <laughs> I pick are cursed, then this is great for the Chargers. So, you know, it's a win-win. Yeah, I already, I already cursed them last week. So <laughs> Sounds good, gents. I will take the Bills over the Titans in Buffalo. Yeah, that would have been my, my other one. one too. The Titans are weird, though. That could be a sneaky, that could be a sneaky cover game. No, Titans, at least. I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, fair. No. Um, Alex, we'll let you go uh, take the first underdog then. We'll do we'll do a snake Ooh, today. Um, thought about this for a while. I'll take the Steelers over the Patriots. Um, they are somehow are a two Patriots and a half favored? point. Yeah, they're a two and a half point dog at home, uh, which I don't really understand because they're playing Matt Patricia and the Patriots. Like, I get that they lost TJ Watt and Mitch Trubisky's Matt the starter. Matt Patricia and the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's quite> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just, uh, at this point, like, I don't think the Patriots have enough weapons on offense. And I think even if they had enough weapons on offense, a failed defensive coordinator probably wouldn't use them properly. Uh, so I'm going to rely on Mike Tomlin and Mitch Trubisky to come through. And I, I'm surprised that they are a dog in that game at home with how the Patriots looked last week. Man, you are smoking that Steelers pack after Trubisky led your Steelers <laughs> to the uh, the win. Hell Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a really interesting underdog week. There's a lot of double digit lines, which I'm not, crazy about um i uh, unfortunately i'm gonna pick against alex's eagles i'm going with the vikings as my underdog of the week yeah um i i I picked the vikings to make the playoffs i picked the eagles to win the the division which i think they will kind of cruise to at this point without deck prescott Mm -hmm. in dallas but uh, wait the vikings are the underdog yeah the eagles are favored by two and a half at least according to uh roto wire yeah that was gonna be my pick all right, darn! I wanted that to be mine. I liked that one, so I'll go Sorry. with the uh, the Saints over the Bucks. Then it sounds like the Bucks are a bit banged up right now. You're playing in New Orleans. Don't hate that one too much. Yeah, the 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 Saints always play the Bucks tough, so I think that's that's a good mm-hmm. one. Um, all right, Tyler, back to you for uh, either or. Uh, you can pick basically whoever you want. I'm gonna hate this because uh, I already feel like they sucked last week, but I'll go with the. 
the Packers over the Bears. They're in Lambeau. <laughs> They're not playing in this like water, you know, wild rivers type of field. Uh, so I'll go with the Packers over the Bears. Yeah, there's not a monsoon. Hopefully not in uh, Green Bay. I think that it was a really weird. I mean, obviously I didn't get to watch much of the game. I just watched like the clips and stuff on Twitter. But Aaron was weird last week, man. It was it was a weird vibe. So. Um, all right, so I'll give my pick here. Alex will give his pick, and then we'll take some uh, questions. So uh, if you haven't asked a question or you missed it earlier, feel free to uh, bring that back. Um, my pick here, I'm taking the Bengals over the Cowboys. How good do you feel about that one? I mean, the Cowboys are starting Cooper Rush, so pretty good. Is Cooper Rush better <laughs> than Mitch Trubisky? Um, no, no. So I, I think we, <laughs> yeah. I think we will see. I mean, obviously the, the Cowboys have Micah Parsons, but I don't think they have mm-hmm. as good of a rest of the defense. Right. So, I mean, Cam mm-hmm. Hayward had a field day against the Bengals. Minka Fitzpatrick was awesome in that game. So I think the Bengals will be relatively fine. Micah Parsons will, will get his, he'll eat for sure. But I think the Bengals will be able to, uh, kind of match everything else pretty well uh thank you gents i will take uh jacoby Brissett's browns over joe flacco's jets <laughs> all right that's this, a fun one this game was actually the game that i got outvoted for this is the the work survivor pool this is who my my co-workers picked so uh i hope alex is right for for that sake yeah and Alex was the only one who picked an L for the Chargers this week, so you win the... Uh... Okay, no, but I don't want to take credit <laughs> for that, though. I mean, I just was a realist about it, but I'm not going to be like, woo, the Chargers lost. I won a game in the betting pool for a yellow jersey. Like, I, I'm not, I wanted them to win, so we didn't have a miserable podcast where everybody hates Arjun and me now. <laughs> uh i mean technically you still get the point so it's all good uh yeah, tyler was right about the score and kind of the uh overall uh lower scoring game though so sweet that and gerald everett i'm really good at this just <laughs> so spot on <laughs> all right uh like i said we'll take some questions here for about 10 12 minutes or so and then uh we have to uh head out um i can't remember who asked it there was there have been a lot of questions about Matt Filer. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously not a super good look from him this week as he gave up five pressures. Felt like all of them in the second half against Chris Jones. Um, what kind of stock are you putting there, Alex, if anything, in terms of Matt Filer struggling against Chris Jones? Um, I mean, he didn't look good in week one either. I still would like to see a more prolonged sample size here of Matt Filer not playing well to really like make any assertions here and it's not like they have many other solutions at this point anyway right filer barring injury is going to be starting the whole season for them i mean maybe this becomes some kind of off-season discussion um but at this point i don't have too many thoughts on it and chris jones does give that smoke to a lot of people who are not named zion johnson um so uh, at this point i am not too worried about filer um if he has a bad game against the jags though on 10 days rest, I mean, that that could be problematic. Yeah, that's the thing. Week one, like, I didn't think it was great, but he allowed two pressures. Like, well, that's not the worst thing ever. Yes, it was bad on Thursday Night Football on primetime. Yes, it was right after Zion Johnson had a pretty good first half against him. Um, but it's Chris Jones. You know, I'm not, I'm not entirely worried about it just yet. Like Alex said, 
give me a few more games. If it continues to be an issue, um, I'm not going to move on from him. Like, I don't think I'm going to say, okay, the run game is not working also. So let's also move on from Matt Filer and put Salyer in there you know, in week six or something. Like, no, I want to try to see if this offense can get a little bit better, you know, and, and they they did end, you know, they did come out of the second half or into the second half without Corey Lindsley, you know, with obviously without Trey Pickens at some point, you know, Herbert was eventually got hurt. So I think that's just kind of like a, I don't know, the defense kind of kind of just pin their ears back and go against Filer, where it's kind of felt more balanced against Zion. So, you know, yeah. I'll give it some time. Like, I think I want to see more from this. I really don't think there's any point in moving from him during the season unless he gets hurt. Um, but it's an off-season discussion for sure. Yeah, if this continues, it absolutely becomes an off-season issue, and that's why they drafted Jamari Salyer, I think, to be prepared for that potential scenario. Um, I would love to see Jamari, right? Like, I think Jamari has a very bright future in this league. I do not want to see Jamari in a situation where you're dealing with Will Clapp at center and Zion at right guard. That's a that's a very worrisome outcome, in my opinion. So I, I'm going to trust Matt Filer to figure it out. He was so good for the Chargers last year. Um you know, proving to be a really a real stabilizing force. And, you know, the Chargers viewed their left side of the offensive line as a legitimate weapon on offense. And I still think that guy is still there for whatever reason. It was just kind of a an, of an avalanche game against Chris Jones that we haven't really seen from Filer. So um, I expect him to be better going forward. And um, I definitely would be patient there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I know people will look at the numbers and I'll look at the film later today. Um, but I think you trust a guy like him to figure it out. Just curious, what is Filer's dead cap next year if they cut him? Because I think his deal was initially like a three-year deal that's actually a two-year deal from Telesco. I don't remember off the top of my head, though. It it is definitely the year where you have the out for sure, but I think he still makes like $7 million a year. So like whatever it is, a lot. So his cap number next year is $8.5 million, um, which is like a 0.3% increase. This year is cap number Mm -hmm. 7.5. If they cut him, it's a $2 million dead cap hit and a $6.5 million savings. I mean, it depends how you look at it, but they do have to make Nasir Adderley probably the priority at this point um, because JT Woods ain't playing. Um, and Mark Webb won't be on the roster next year unless they re-sign him, and Alohi Gilman's a free agent. So, you know, we talked about Michael Davis being the first obvious cut. I think that is still the case. But I think we have to start talking about Filer as well because I don't think they have a Nasir Adderley replacement right now. I think that you could, in theory, see a Matt Filer replacement with Jamari Salyer, even though he's a sixth-round pick. Um, but there's nothing behind Nasir Adderley right now that makes me feel any confident um, as a guy next to Derwin James. Yeah, and uh, Bryce Callahan also a free agent. So yeah, they're gonna have Morgan some. Fox, I mean, they're gonna have some very difficult decisions that way. So um, the numbers do not change for Filer in terms of if you cut him pre June first or post June first or you trade him. Um, so outright, it's a two million dollar dead cap, six point five million dollar savings. Um, again, if he figures it out, then you you still bring him back. Um, the only way that they can save money and keep him is obviously extending him um but we'll see that obviously he has to earn that right like you're not just going to extend him to save money yeah just want to make sure we get to this one from solo start bench cut vincent jackson mike will malcolm floyd oh man um 
I'm starting Vincent Jackson. I think mm-hmm. him and his prime was the best receiver of this group. I would bench Mike Williams and cut Malcolm Floyd, I guess. Agreed. I would say the same thing, especially because Mike Will's uh, cut dead cap would be astronomical. <laughs> Mike, Malcolm Floyd probably made like $3 million a year or something. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, R.I.P. Vincent Jackson. Yes, absolutely. Shout out to my mom, of course, for the super chat. Thank you. All right. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this on, on our show last week on Thursday. Mm. Uh, Vanessa says, thoughts on Staley preaching dominance and talking about how you must score touchdowns in the Chiefs to win and then making the most passive and conservative fourth down decisions possible to lose by three. I've kind of gone back and forth with some people even in YouTube comments about this one. It's like, okay, well, think about game flow. Because my perspective for this would have been, let's see more games of my defense and see that I, like I could really like now I do feel like you can trust the defense. You've now held the Chiefs to 20 or whatever it was and you've held the Raiders to 19. So I feel like you yeah, you can probably trust your defense now, but I was just so surprised that they would like instantly be like cool. Yep, we are going to not go for on fourth down as much. Now they also did go 4 for 4 on fourth down by the way that night just because yeah. they had to or because they went for it a couple times. Um yeah, I, I would have liked to see them wait a bit longer. Um, and, and kind of keep that mentality, especially against the Chiefs. And, you know, I get it. Things can go the other way, right? They don't get it. Chiefs get momentum. They score in one play. It's an avalanche game. It's even worse than what we saw. I, I totally get that. But, you know, in this sense, I would have liked to see them still maintain their identity, get more games out of the defense just to kind of make sure. Um, but then, no, I, now I got a flip-flop because there's no Keenan out. So, like, it, Mike Williams is not good against press, really. He's good downfield against, you know, coverage and people grabbing on him and all that sort of stuff. But against press, not that great. I don't know how Josh Palmer's looked. You're not even playing Jason Moore. You're not playing Jalen Guyton. So, you know, if you don't have Keenan out there and you don't have Donald Parham, I don't know. That's actually really fair, yeah. This one's this one's tough. So, it's it's I'm I don't think it cost them the game so like it hasn't cost them I don't think so far. I'm just surprised that they've gone away from it so quickly. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like, I get the whole they trust their defense thing, but this is also something where I think it's opponent dependent, too. Like, if you're playing the Jaguars, I, I don't mind punting as much. If you're playing the Chiefs, like, what's really the difference between Patrick Mahomes starting at his 15 versus Patrick Mahomes starting at the 40? Like, to me, I, I don't think there's much of a difference in that regard. Right. Um, And like the talk about pinning them back just was so weird to hear from Staley. Like, it just seemed very unstaley like in that regard. And so um, I get trusting your defense. But at the same time, I think you have to take the issue to them and beat the Chiefs. And the fact that you don't have Keenan Allen and the fact that you didn't have um, the guys that they had in that game or players that were injured or tired, like, I feel like that's honestly more of a reason to go for it on fourth down because maybe you get that one play that changes and shifts that momentum, right? Versus it seemed like otherwise, you know, just punting it back to the other team. Like, yeah, the momentum is kind of going to stay the same and you maybe convert a fourth down and force the Chiefs to stay out there for longer and there's some kind of broken play that results in a touchdown, right? Um, So for me, I I think, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded it if it wasn't the Chiefs, but, you know, I think honestly taking advantage of those extra downs you know that you have 
um, would have made more sense in that game where the Chargers were a little bit more depleted on offense and, you know, we're losing offensive linemen. So, um, yeah, I was not a fan of playing it conservative. Get that they have a better defense, but not against that team. Yeah, that's my thing as well. Like, if you're going to consistently say last season that you have to score touchdowns against the Chiefs and you have to be aggressive, I think that should carry over. And, um, you know, they had the opening drive, right? They get, they're moving the ball. They're playing really well. They get to a fourth and two at the chiefs 13 yard line. And they decided to kick a field goal. Like that's, it's just such a strong alteration from last year, from what we saw from Brandon Staley. And then you have two other instances where they get a fourth and one and a fourth and two inside chiefs territory. And they punted. And one of those punts worked out, you know, they pinned them within the 10 yard line. The other one uh, I think was, uh, I think it ended up being a touchback. So I don't know. I, I think if you are going to say that you have to be aggressive against the Chiefs, you have to be aggressive against the Chiefs in every game. And I know he said yesterday that their team is different, the Chargers team is different, and they wanted to see how it played out. And I, I, I can understand that to a certain extent, but I, I'm concerned about the lack of aggression at the whole over the first two weeks. Um, all right, Holden had this question earlier. A little early in a potential scenario of trading for a wide receiver slash weapon for the offense. Uh, any thoughts on who you would like to go after? Odell. That one depends if he's healthy for me. I mean, yeah, but like you don't have to trade anything. He's a free agent. I'm I'm fine with it. And I mean, players have been coming back from the ACL injuries pretty quickly. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see the problem at this point. I mean, he'd probably be ready to play by October. I haven't paid a ton of attention to who like could be potentially available. Like, I know I've seen a lot of Chargers fans talk about like Kadarius Tony, but to me, this would be like a somebody that the team is familiar with. Um, you know, I go back to Joe Lombardi's days in New Orleans. Traquan Smith has not really played a ton in New Orleans this year that would be like an addition I could potentially be interested in. And that would make a lot of sense because again, he's like familiar with the passing offense and everything. So we they've shown in the past, right. That if they are going to make an addition in the mid, in the middle of the season, it's got to be somebody that they are familiar with. So I, I think Traquan Smith would, would make some sense. He's a vertical threat as well. Gives them another guy besides guy to stretch the field. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know enough guys off the top of my head i, I would start using the jalen guyton guy because if you're not even going to use the speed guy on your own <laughs> roster why you get another guy unless he's you know a great elite player and you're probably not trading for that um if it came down to it and pipkins were hurt then i'd be trading for a right tackle uh, because that will already cap what they can do offensively as is but yeah I, I just don't know enough wide receivers right now but when we get closer to the deadline uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it yeah. Um, Tyler, I know you've got to uh, head out. Is there a last question that you wanted to get to? Ooh, last question. Um, only because I hated it, but they sent in a super chat. Start bench cut. <laughs> Marlon McCree, Larry English, or Jerry Tillery? Um, I'll start Larry English. There was a point, and don't ask me for the numbers on this one, where he actually was looking okay, and then he got yeah. hurt. I can't remember what year that was his last year. He actually was looking okay and then he got hurt. Um I feel like I'm gonna cut Jerry Tillery because that just feels like I don't know, I gotta 
do that <laughs> for like and we've been waiting you know and then marlon mccree i could just bench him because you can't fumble the interception when you're on the bench <laughs> yeah That's start fair. larry english bench marlon mccree and then cut jerry tillery i think i McCree, like I remember the fumble, obviously, but I um, mean, you know, I was a little kid, and I know the two of you probably wouldn't remember because you're younger than I am. Um, hey, here, dude, chill. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when's your birthday? Uh, January. So, so I like turned twenty. I turned months. twenty-nine in January. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, I thought I was like a year and ten months. Year and a year and a half. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So maybe somebody in the chat in here was Marlon McCree like good and he just had an awful moment or was he just outright bad and then had a terrible moment? People I say honestly, like I have no recollection of him as like, a player at all. Start Marlon McCree, start McCree. I guess. I guess he was fine. <laughs> I guess he was kind of good. I don't know. I don't know. This was before I really. Like I, I watched the team, but it was just kind of like go Chargers, so I couldn't tell you much about uh, McCree. Oh my gosh, what's Michael like the Lo- modern McCree like comparison for the Chargers? Like, is there a level of play? Is he like Travis Benjamin? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. All right, I gotta head out, guys. But I'll talk to you later. All right, we'll see you later, Tyler. Uh, Alex um, and I will stick on for a couple more minutes and take some questions. So okay, I will uh, not end since... the broadcast. Don't do it, Tyler. Okay. Yeah, don't end the broadcast. <laughs> All right, so we promised you guys we would take questions. I was not expecting a 30-minute discussion earlier, so we'll we'll stay on and take a couple more questions here. Uh, hit us up with some Thursday Night Football questions or food questions, either one. <laughs> I guess Richard said he had one big mistake, so I guess McCree was fine. Yeah, I'm the baby of the podcast, so I honestly can't say I remember <laughs> like the PFF like snap numbers for uh, Marlon McCree every game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Guarnas brought up Will Fuller. I think he's also still injured right now, if I'm not mistaken. Not sure, but at this, just play Jalen Guyton. <laughs> like that's the solution yeah. there. I think if you're yeah. signing a receiver, you're looking for someone that like. Could be that wide receiver like three four that creates separation you're not really looking for burner because if they want one then they would just play the one they have which is frustrating but i don't really think you need will fuller yeah i'm trying to find a question uh yeah richard pointed this out too andy reed had some weird game management issues on thursday as well like they they had a fourth and one like within the one yard line at the goal line and they kicked a field goal. And I was like, that what are they doing here? That's always been Andy Reid, though. Like Andy Reid's done that okay. forever. So I mean I'm not terribly surprised by that. Um I was a little bit surprised by Staley's though, just based on what his sure. reputation is and you know how I feel like he defended the Raiders decisions last year pretty vociferously, and it was just be like, that's what we're gonna do. And through two games, it's like, well, they haven't really done that, even though they trust the defense more. Andy Reid is going to play Andy Reid football until Andy Reid's no longer the coach of the Chiefs. So, I mean, I, I think that that he, he generally has played a pretty conservative, partially because he has an offense that can explode at any time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just play your guy that you have and, you know, we'll see. Um Ch-ch-ch-ch. 
Golden King Toys said McCree was interviewed years back and said he would have done the same exact thing again and not go out of bounds or to the ground. That's a bad take. I I appreciate the level of stubbornness that that takes. <laughs> I, I respect it, and sometimes I can be equally as stubborn, so I respect it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Holden says, I don't think Guyton is in the doghouse. They went two tight ends a lot and played tight to the QB for help against the pass rush versus Raiders. I think that is true. And versus the Chiefs, it kind of was the same, especially after the injuries. Though I think that's a fair game plan, and I think it makes a lot of sense to have tight ends to help out. Uh, you know, a, a an inexperienced offensive line, but I mean, they played Mike Williams and Josh Palmer like ninety-two percent of the snaps on Thursday night. Like, I, I understand trusting your guys to show up, but you know, I I think you have to do a better job of keeping your guys fresh. And again, like. Even if you're not throwing the ball to Jalen Guyton, like his speed is always a threat. And, you know, people kind of forget this, but that huge touchdown to the to Guyton against the Giants last year, that was not designed to go to him. That's just where Justin saw the defense kind of opening up, and that's where he went to the went with the ball. So I think even if you're only playing Guyton 20 snaps against the Chiefs, I think that helps more than giving him five snaps against the Chiefs. Yeah, there's a difference between not being in the doghouse and then not having any snaps at all. Like, I mean, he's at eight. Like, if, if you told us before the season Jalen Guyton would have a game against the Chiefs where he had eight snaps, we would be like, oh, did he get injured? <laughs> like, So, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the thing. Um, I, I just think they really need him as, like, some kind of, like, speed creator field spacer a little bit, even if you're not going to throw it deep um so that's that's my thought on it uh yeah i don't know like i don't think he's in the doghouse per se but i also think that like if you're gonna go to 2te a lot like you just got to mix it up because that's part of why like gerald everett got exhausted and josh palmer's out here playing 91 percent of the snaps mike williams as well like i just think you got to divvy that up better um deandre carter playing 70 percent of the snaps i don't know yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake Cameron says, thoughts on Drew Tranquil? Surprise, he's been one of our best defenders. Not complaining, though. I, I think we've always known that he's a really good coverage linebacker, and that has absolutely showed up through two games so far. He's made a lot of good plays on the ball and, and uh, had some good coverage reps against Travis Kelsey on Thursday night. I need to see more as a run defender in, in terms of a sample size, because he's playing really well in terms of getting run stops, in terms of uh, showing up in the backfield, but that's not historically who he's been. So I need to see a larger sample size as a run defender before I'm ready to say he's been one of the best defenders overall on the team. But he's definitely showing up as a coverage linebacker for sure. Yeah, um, I, I was a little bit surprised. He was in like the bottom five grades of PFF this week, and I didn't feel like he played really? that way at all. Yeah, he was in, I think, number three or number two in like bottom five. He had in like a 40 something. Um, I, so, but he, but in correlation with that, he had like an 80% run defense or 80 run defense grade. So I don't know if they just thought his coverage was subpar or what happened there. Special teams could be it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they were really low on him this week, but I thought Tranquil's been playing great, uh, first few games. Um, that linebacker group, I think right now would not be the same without his presence. Obviously got the big interception versus the Raiders. Um, yeah, they, they need him to continue to play how he's playing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
I know Wildcat is saying this facetiously, but the the commentary around JC Jackson on social media the last couple of days has been uh, very surprising. I guess uh, is how I would say that. Yeah, um, there's part of me that honestly thinks that JC Jackson shouldn't have played Thursday night, but then again, you like have to get his legs under him eventually and get him game reps so he can you know kind of play his way back into that kind of game shape that we're familiar with um so no jc jackson definitely doesn't suck and you know if he if his hips got turned around slightly less on that justin watson play he either bats that ball away or uh, like staley said if the safety helps so you know i think that's the big play everyone's gonna run away with and definitely didn't have a good game against the chiefs but no he doesn't suck yeah, I mean, if you take away that one play, he allowed like I think it was like four receptions for like thirty-five yards or something like that. So, um, like I said, I know Wildcat is is kind of joking here with this one, but um, definitely relax when it comes to J.C. Jackson. Um, all right, add here. We always talk about Arthur. I can't remember how you say it. We always talk about food here, so figured this was a good spot to wrap it up. Um, he says, "I've never been to SoFi. I want to go there, but what is so bad about the food?" I heard it from people. Let me know, please. So um, if you go to SoFi Stadium expecting good food, you will be disappointed. <laughs> um, I, I think that they've revamped it a little bit. And so like I've seen pictures of like the pizza actually looks like real pizza now. So that's good. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone going to a game to eat beforehand at the tailgate Um and then if you're hungry, get like the chicken tenders and tots like that really is like the safest bet from a food perspective. I know Alex hasn't uh, been to SoFi yet either. Um, but yeah, the stadium food at SoFi was a big time disappointment last year. Yeah, I've only seen pictures of the food at SoFi and all of them. The food looks like it has the consistency of Play-Doh. Um, <laughs> is, is how I would describe looking at the cheeseburger sub, <laughs> looking at the other options. And I think any time that you're not charging uh, what the Falcons charge, which is like, oh, we actually have cheap food. If you're charging like 20 or 30 bucks for stuff that looks and tastes like Play-Doh, then people are going to be mad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's the issue with SoFi Stadium food, at least from what I hear. I haven't experienced it. Uh, even if I go to a game at SoFi, I don't think I will be experiencing <laughs> the SoFi Stadium food. Yeah, Jorge said the nachos at SoFi are good. Um, I haven't had them Um but yeah, I guess we'll see there. Um, he says the beer is beer, so I, I don't drink alcohol. But did you see the the like average price of a beer at the NFL's stadiums? And it was like no. sixteen dollars or something at the Washington Football Jesus, Stadium. Jesus Christ! Um, sixteen dollars for a bottle of beer? Yeah, it was it was something crazy like that. Wow. I, I pay literally like three dollars for a bottle of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, that's when you remember those American prices. Uh no, I would I would never pay sixteen dollars for a bottle of beer. I'm I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I mean you'll have plenty of you have plenty of beer for you know in the pregame, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. Um yeah, mascot says Thunder Valley has good food. Um there's a taco guy. His name's Tacos El Gordo. He's out there every single tailgate. Um, he makes really good tacos. So uh, take some cash and uh, support a local Chargers fan, I guess, before the fifth. We've, the... we've mentioned the Atlanta stadium a couple times. It still kills me that they have a Chick-fil-A in that stadium. Yeah. And it's, it's closed every Sunday. <laughs> like, 
how would that work? Unless the Falcons are playing on Thursday or Monday, that Chick-fil-A is kind of useless. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's bad. Um, I will say, if you are planning to make like a trip out of going to SoFi, like if you're going for a weekend and you're coming from out of town, um, the best breakfast I have had in like the LA-ish area is at this place called The Pan. Um, shout out to Daniel Lay for mentioning this to me and Brooke, but um, they have fantastic breakfast food. So if you're there for a weekend down in uh, Inglewood-ish area, hit up the pan and uh, thank me later. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, appreciate Tyler stopping by, Alex as well. Um, thank you to everyone who did a super chat and was in the chat today for all the questions. Uh, we'll be live on Tuesday as we prepare for the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Hopefully we get some uh, more clear updates by then. Uh, I got to figure out if I'm going to that game next week or not, because if Herbert's not playing, I'm not going. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. But uh, Alex, any final thoughts, man, before we head out? Um, Herbert's going to play next game. I, I feel I feel like 90% confident in that. Uh, not, not good enough to make a bet though. Uh, I, I <laughs> would make a bet, but I'm already, I'm already down on quite a few of those. So, uh, no. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that we'll see. Um, but yeah, hopefully they, they have a good weekend of recovery and, uh, everybody can get right for next week. So, um, all right guys, that's going to do it for us as always bolt up. <laughs>